Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals and entrepreneurs about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business using live events. Whether you're running community meetups or conferences, trade shows, and other events, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. We want you to get more attendees, produce epic events, make more money, and most importantly, to do it all with no stress. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat, low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's literally no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. It's also super easy to use and you can embed your tickets in your website or you can use our own website builder, which is really simple. We have amazing options to apply all kinds of discounts on all the features you'd expect from a much more expensive system like QR code check-in. Go to eventsframe.com, that's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com for a free, no-risk, one-month trial. Hi, Dan here, just jumping in again. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, you'll know I'm taking a couple of weeks down in the Austrian Alps with the family, doing a bit of hiking and mountaineering, which I'm super excited about. So I'm re-releasing a couple of really, really great episodes from the end of 2018. As I mentioned before, like our listenership grew a lot from kind of February onwards in 2019. So there's some great stuff which I want to get out there, which a lot of people haven't heard. And this was an interview with a guy called Chris Reynolds, who's also in the Dynamite Circle. It's an entrepreneur's group. I mean, I, I seem to be mentioning it every episode pretty much, but it's, it's a really great community of entrepreneurs all around the world, which, which I love. Um, and Chris runs residential retreats. Now, this is something a lot of people are interested in getting into, where you get a bunch of people together, maybe it's for a weekend, maybe it's for a week, even for a month, like there's long-term ones. You get them together, you rent a house, uh, you rent an apartment and you run a bunch of kind of kind of immersive events. You know, you have meetups in the morning, afternoon, you'll run some social events. And and Chris has really perfected this kind of business. And, and it's one of his main income streams. He runs a few. He's run them in Barcelona, in Thailand. I know he's looking at more locations. So it's a really interesting topic. I get asked about it a lot. And I hope you enjoy the interview with Chris and look forward to being back uh, recording a new episode next week. Hello and welcome to the events podcast, uh, recording this in Prague on the 4th of October. It's a beautiful sunny day and today I was delighted to talk with Chris Reynolds. Chris has a website, thebusinessmethod.com and it was a super interesting chat. Chris has been running meetups but not just your typical one day or one hour meetup. He's been running retreats for one week, two weeks, even, even two months in Barcelona, in Chiang Mai, in Brazil. He's a super interesting guy. He's, he's a, pretty much a full-time traveler. Um, he coined the term slomad, where he spends a few months in different places. Uh, and I think for anyone who's looking at running any kind of retreat or residential program, this will have a lot of super interesting information, both in how he promotes the event via forums and via social media, and also how he runs the event, which, which mostly he does himself. And also podcasting. He's a machine on the podcasting. He's, he recorded 100 interviews in 100 days, which he'll talk about. So all around a, a very interesting guy.
This podcast is brought to you by EventsFrame. That's the software company I'm a co-founder of. It's ticketing and attendee management. Think Eventbrite, but with no ticket fees. So you can create beautiful websites or you can embed the tickets in your own website. It's really easy to use. And we've got a special offer for podcast listeners. Just drop me an email at dan at eventsframe.com. So D-A-N at E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E dot com. Put the subject line podcast and I'll send you a special offer so you can try EventsFrame and get started running some awesome events. So that's all for now. Let's jump into the interview with Chris. Hello and welcome to the events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking with Chris Reynolds from The Business Method. How are you doing, Chris? I'm fantastic, Dan, and I'm excited to be here. Let's make a great show. Cool. Chris, you know, we just we only jumped on the call a minute ago. Where are you actually located? You, you didn't tell me. I'm At the moment, I am in Chiang Mai, Thailand, getting ready for our event that's coming up in a few weeks uh, that you guys uh, have actually helped us with. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that later. Now, you're kind of, it seems to me, a, a true digital nomad. You, you, are you completely nomadic <laughs> or do you, do you have a home base? Earth is my home base. I yeah. <laughs> but I don't feel like a digital nomad, to be honest with you. Um, Nobody self-identifies as a digital nomad, do they? I mean, yeah. I've, I've dipped in and out of that life a lot, you know, and it's kind of, it used to be a cool thing. Now it's not so cool as a term. Yeah, I feel like I spend usually usually the summers, extended summers, so like five, six months, seven months in Europe. So that's kind of my base for the summer and then Asia for a couple months uh, for the fall and then winter. I go home for a month or two to the States and then Brazil. We usually do, my girlfriend and I do like three months in Brazil in the spring. So those are our bases so we're not like in a country for two weeks and in another country for two weeks and, and traveling real rapidly. It's funny, is, is there, because I, I was kind of like that, you know, in, in my previous life when I was an IT contractor, I I'd regularly, you know, I take a contract for say three to six months. This was, this was before pre-four-hour work week, you know, and I, I take a contract and then I'd have three months off. So I'd go to Thailand or I'd go to, to South America, to Ecuador or something, you know, and hang out. And I, can't, I always liked the kind of idea of spending two, three, four months somewhere and then move yeah. on, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, is, is there a term for that kind of movement? Slow mad. Slow mad. I like it. <laughs> Digital slow mad. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So Chris, like you run the business method podcast, which I listen to. It's very cool. And you run a, some events, which we'll get into, but I actually don't know much about your background. So I'm curious, you know, just a quick overview of, of how you got into this life and what you used to do, because I have no idea. Yeah. For my entrepreneurial career, Dan, I started out working with a real estate investing network marketing company in 2006, and we would sell real estate investing education and then also be a part of a network marketing group, then go invest in real estate together. So that was my very first business venture. So, so you, it was your company or you, or you worked for, some, for somebody else? Yeah, I worked. I was an independent contractor right. for the company. Got so it. they had like 25,000 members around the world. And it was great. The education was phenomenal, both business, entrepreneurial and sales education and the real estate investing education. The company is doing great and the business was doing great. And, and then the global recession slash housing crisis hit yeah. and wiped out. Yeah, wiped out my business. And it also wiped out that company after a couple of years. 
So I went broke, you know, I had a couple years of good times and bought a new sports car and then went to flat out, like broke, broke, like, oh, did, crap, all, did all the things that you do when you're young and stupid, <laughs> like you make, I've done that kind of thing. You make some money and it's like, I need to buy a car. That's the most important thing in my life. Yeah, right. a car. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. People still think like that, you know, like, I guess we're a bit older and wiser and we've been through that, but it, it's, it's like the worst thing you could do. You should just invest that money, you know, and I, I know that now. Yeah, but it's the lessons, you know, sometimes you need to go through those lessons to really understand, okay, that that wasn't a, a wise decision to make, you know, yeah, and then exactly. you and, and actually I was talking on our podcast just last night uh, about a guy who went broken and made millions in five years after that. And, you know, it's like, how can we teach entrepreneurs to avoid that? But also at the same time, it was one of the biggest mistakes and best mistakes we ever made you become such a better human on the flip side of that well most people do so just a quick curious just just to stay on your real estate thing so did you did you get into real estate investing yourself and do you still do that or was that did you just work on advising other people is that something you kind of like to do yourself as well so my part in the company was to sell the education part of it right and i was like literally probably a few months away from start investing into uh, real estate in it before the recession hit. Right, and when so it's it did, probably it got a lucky right. break, I guess. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, we still ended up losing money in some of our investments because of it. I kind of avoided that, but real estate is still a passion of mine, but I've not got because I've been location independent, I have not, uh, you know, started investing again. So right. I, I start after that, I started investing in gold and silver. Got it. And, but actually within the next year or two, we're talking about, you know, buying a place and, and having that as our base for a couple of years and then selling it and then buying a place in another country and having that for our place for a couple of years and then selling that and that sort of thing. So, so buy, stay and flip. Just to step in here quickly to mention our sponsor, EventsFrame, a project I'm co-founder of, and I want to mention our integrations, which we believe are the best available. Firstly, payment integrations. You can connect any payment gateway, such as Stripe, PayPal, and Braintree, or even bank account or take cash. You can connect everything to EventsFrame. We also have the best marketing integrations out there with every email marketing system, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip, and we've got deep integrations with all the social media platforms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter. We've got thousands of events live on EventsFrame right now, ranging from small community meetups to huge trade shows and conferences. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com. Now, back to the interview. Yeah, it's interesting. I've got, I've got a couple of places. I mean, here in, I mean, I've been based in Prague for a long time, so I've got somewhere here. Yeah. Uh, and actually just together with a friend, we just, I spend a lot of time in Austria in the winter. I'm really into skiing, snowboarding, you know, I used to teach in, in a resort there and I've wanted to buy a place there for forever. And me and a friend actually did it this year. We bought a place which t- together, which kind of, you know, more and more people are doing this, you know, buying, buying a bunch of places, you know, with a group of people. Uh, yes. and, and it's cool, you know, and we, we're renting it out in between, you know, booking.com, Airbnb and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I'm it's, thinking about that model maybe again for more places, you know, I spend a lot of time in Asia and I have a team in Cebu in the Philippines. It'd be great to get a place there. Maybe do something yeah. similar, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that sounds uh, like a genius idea for well, sure. Time, time will tell. Guess, yes. Yeah. And actually we were thinking about going skiing in Austria this winter. So maybe you can stay in our place. Can you can stay for free. Yeah. Let me know. Just let me know when you want to go. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
course. Um, so where were you? Yeah. Okay. So you were talking. Yeah. So the business. So what, so what? What was the next step? What, where did you get on? What did you get into next? So I went flat out broke, and um, actually I returned to the Midwest. So I was, I was living in Phoenix, in the west, kind of what southwest of uh, the United States. I went returned to the Midwest where I grew up, helped my friend uh, reestablish his life after his wife passed, and he helped me reestablish my life after I went broke. And so he was a farmer, and so I just kind of worked on his farm for for nine months or so, and to get back on my feet. Wow. And and then it started reading uh, our most famous book in community that you and I hang around with, yeah. the Four Hour Work Week. And um, I just of, think uh, everyone we know pretty much. <laughs> and I, I engulfed my life into it, Dan. I think I read it four or five times, and I listened to the audio at least a dozen times. And I made it a study guide. And I was when I read it, I was like, "This is I know this is for me." So in so, 2009, 2009. Yeah, right around 2009, I started building niche websites online, and I wanted to create that income so I could be abroad, live abroad, and still have some money coming in. So I started to produce some money from that, and then I decided to buy a one-way ticket to Costa Rica and spend a year there. And landed in Costa Rica, got a place to rent, continued to build business. Then I got into... um, So how long did you stay spending Costa Rica out out of interest? We stayed 13 months there. Cool. I haven't been. I was in I was in Panama recently, which is right next door, and I loved Panama. You know that that's the place. Not I imagine it's a lot less touristy than Costa Rica, but I really enjoyed it. You know, and I'd like to try Costa Rica as well. Which part of Panama were you in? We were on the Pacific side. I'm really into surfing, so we stayed in a few Playa Vanau was the beach. It's kind of middle of nowhere, but we stayed in Panama City for a few days in, in uh, Cusco Viejo, I think it's called the old town, which was cool. And then uh, I never went to the Caribbean side, but I'd, I'd like to try that as well. There's um, an island town, Caribbean side, called Bocas del Toro. I've and it's heard of that, past, yeah. yeah, it's like five islands, and you just hop and take a boat to each island and, and, and go surfing and hang out, and it's beautiful. Nice. Beautiful so Costa Rica, you, you were on the beach hanging out or in the city? Where, where were you? Yeah, we were five minutes from the beach, yeah, and we got a house, and there's monkeys climbing in our roof every morning when we woke up, and it was a real, real Costa Rican life. Like, it nice. was it was. Yeah, it's great. But the internet went out all the time. This is 2011 too. And so yeah. we'd have a rainstorm and then internet's gone for an hour. So right. we'd have to break and then get back to work a little later. So then I started this project because I knew when I wanted to travel, I wanted to do some really cool projects. So I, I created these charity adventure trips right. and we would like climb the tallest mountain in Costa Rica. And we raised a bunch of money for malnourished kids in Costa Rica and, um, or excuse me, children with de- developmental disabilities. And then um, after I left Costa Rica, I moved so to I just, Peru. Sorry, just, sorry, I need to slow down. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is interesting because <laughs> for me, you know, I'm, I'm really, in, I like to geek out on events and that's what we talk about. And that's, I guess yeah. that's the first, that was the first live event you ran, I guess, these charity events. First outside of the U.S., yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. And, and how did you how did you promote them? And how did you how did you go about running these 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 experiences? So it was all warm market and then email list. So right. I had a personal email list. So I would blast my email, uh, put it on social media, and then you know just just contact friends and family. Sure. And so the idea was we were going to have like this 
fun jungle trip, you know, go lining and do a mountain bike trip and then climb the tallest mountain in Costa Rica. And while doing that, promote it online to raise uh, as much money as we could for this shelter, this clinic, excuse me, that's run by nuns in the capital of Costa Rica called San Jose uh, that need some money to feed the kids. They, they took care of a bunch of kids with developmental disabilities. Yep. Yeah. And so we just promoted it through through those networks. And we had so much fun at the end of the first event. I asked everybody, you know, should I do this again? Everybody's like, yeah, do it again. And I said, well, I'm going to Peru for next year. And they're like, yes, we're in. Let's do it. Whatever. And I moved to Peru and Cusco. No, cause I was I got- actually just in Peru for the first time this year, just in Lima, actually. I had an event there, so I went out for a few days. And it's a really cool mm-hmm. place, actually. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it there. Yeah, I, I, I've never made it to Lima. I heard really great things about it, but I've never yeah. spent any time. So I was up in the mountains in, in Cusco. And that's the, for people that don't know, that's the dropping off point really for Machu Picchu. Yeah. So there's this valley in between Machu Picchu and Cusco, which is, I think it's about 100 miles or so. That's called the Sacred Valley, which would be 120 or 160 kilometers. And in this valley, I found this village that, and this, this family that did these charity projects, like creating greenhouses, and sustainable miniature farms for other villagers in the area for children who were malnourished at their school. They would hike, you know, an hour a day to go to school and then they'd only have like potatoes and rice to eat and they'd be tired and sluggish and then they'd hike an hour to go back to home after school. And a lot of times this was a a 12 hour period for these kids. So they'd get up at 5 a.m., hike to school, try to be there around seven or so, spend most of the day and then have a, a long hike home. And sometimes this is through the elements. So like raining, cold weather and in Peru too, in these villages in the Andes, if the family's out working on the farm and the kid's going to school, like say the kid is, the child is, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, even 10, they have to take their infant siblings with them too. So you, right. you have these 12 year old girls with these infant siblings on their backs that are, you know, that they're walking through the mountains in the rain and stuff. So, so they're very malnourished, but they have, you know, a free life up there. But anyway, so they were doing these projects to uh, feed these kids said, okay, well, we can raise some money up and let's find a village, a good village and a good school. And we can build a greenhouse and a sustainable farm to where the kids can use the little farm for for their classroom and then also uh, grow some healthy vegetables and fruits so they can feed themselves. So then I did the same promotional and marketing strategies that we had for the first event, Uh, went through warm markets and social media. And I think we ended up raising like $12,000 for the school. And that was back in 2012. And it started out as just a thousand meter greenhouse slash uh, square meter slash uh, greenhouse slash farm. And now it's turned into like, I think 10,000 square meters where the families help the kids grow the food and everything. And the families get a little bit for themselves as well. So it turned into a really successful project. And then I did a a third one um, where I hiked across Spain and raised money. And we did a charity adventure trip to um, Ghana to to finish the construction of a home for slave children. So how, listen, I mean, they're all really cool things. I'm curious, like, how did you... How were you funding yourself in this time? Did you have some savings or how, how were you sort of surviving to do all these, do all these ventures? Well, I was, I was still doing a niche websites online. Right. So you had the niche websites going, going as well. Great. Got it. Yeah. 
and I did a bit of contracting work too during that time. And uh, that kept the funding for myself for those trips as well. And at first I never, you know, thought about making those into a business. And then I think if I look back now, I think I could have made it into a pretty cool business. But, um, you know, I moved on since then and it was fun events projects to start. It's interesting. You just, you just did one of each. You didn't repeat them because, you know, a lot of people would just go back and do the same thing because it's kind of simple. You were obviously, you obviously wanted a bit of a venture yourself and try some new yes. things as well. Keep it interesting. <laughs> that, for was you, it. You know? that was it. That was it. That was it for sure. So what was next then? You did the, you did the, the three or four charity events and you you in Spain, I yeah. guess, at this point. What, what was your next step? So what I, I, one thing I really realized over those couple, three years that I was doing those events and traveling is that I really missed my tribe. Like I had a, a really great tribe in the States, but when I left the States and started traveling that I, I wasn't surrounded by entrepreneurs and I longed for that or people that were in a per, personal development industry. So I landed in Barcelona and I love the city and I put it up on a post uh, for an entrepreneur forum that you and I are both a part of. And I said, Hey, let's, um, let's do some co-living in Barcelona. Let's spend three months there and we'll, you know, build business together and go and enjoy the city at the same time. Now, the one, th one thing I think we've sort of skipped to this point is like, so when you said you put it up, like, how did you, how had you got a list at this point? Had you already started podcasting? Were you blogging? I'm curious how you, how you had this list of people, you know, at these contacts. The, the list was either just from either travels or people I'd met. And it was literally people you'd met in person. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, I wasn't ever collecting, uh, any data from, you know, we had a website for our, uh, charity events that we did, yeah. you know, it was all just warm marketing or network marketing, really being a part of the entrepreneurial forum. Then I, I put a post up on the forum and it kind of, it didn't go viral, but it got a lot of feed, uh, and it got a lot of feedback, the, a the, bunch the, of people. The for, the for, sorry to interrupt. The forum you're talking about is, is, is the dynamite circle, I guess, which we're both, both a member of, which everybody should yeah. check out. It's, Dan and Ian, who run the Tropical MBA uh, podcast. No, that's great. Yeah, and highly recommend the DC Dynamite Circle for anybody that's out there too. So I put it the post, you know, let's live in Barcelona for three months. And uh, I, I remember it very well. Yeah, and so it got really good feedback, and we ended up getting 12 people uh, to come to Barcelona for three months. And that was the fruition, uh, the start of what has become really kind of the events that I do today. During those three months, we figured out how to do masterminds, how to be incredibly productive, how to collaborate together, how to set goals together. And at the end of it, I presented it to all the people that attended that that event that I was thinking about making this into a business and everybody overwhelmingly said, yeah. So I then created the entrepreneur house. So I'm just curious, the three months, cause that's a crazy long time to run uh, an event. Like, did you have a, <laughs> did you have like a, a schedule? Like you're like, I'm going to do this on this day. And was it activities every day or every week or every other day? Like what was your, did you have a plan or were you kind of wigging it? As, as, as I, winged it. <laughs> I completely winged everything <laughs> and it worked out really well. Everybody was really supportive, you know, and they were great. But after, you know, that first one, I really learned how to run logistics and how to manage people for a long extended period of time. Yep. And so then right after that, 10 days after the finish of that one, then I, I launched, um, another two month events and then a one month event and then another one month event after that. What we, did, we discussed on your podcast is you're gradually getting shorter and shorter with these events. You're getting more focused yeah. and, le and less time. <laughs> 
Yeah. And whatever, one of two things, one, it's just, you know, as, as I grow older, I don't want to spend as much time doing uh, long extended events. And also too, I, I realized Dan, like when the, in the right productivity, productive, uh, productivity, uh, structure, people could get just as many, uh, just as good res- results as they were getting in, in a month. So point. now, yeah, now we do an event that's 10 days long and, and I see people just knocking the cover off the ball with getting uh, results similar or even better sometimes than what people were, were getting in a month-long experience. Definitely. So, so let's talk about Entrepreneur House. So, so marketing-wise, you posted in, in, the, in the forum we're a member of. Like, I mean, now, I mean, obviously now you do a lot of podcasts. Have you, have you kind of used the podcast to, pump, to, to, to get people to come to your events? Has that, has that been kind of a marketing channel as well? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a huge marketing channel because both from guests of the podcast and from listeners of the podcast, it's one of the main ones we use now. And I'm curious as, as someone who's new to podcasting, like when you post, you put the podcast up on your site, do you put an email opt-in on every, on every podcast episode to, to try to get, get registrations? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause I think I'm seeing more and more people are using podcasts to try to promote their events. And I guess I guess the thing about it is it's, 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 you've got to take it as a long-term venture because it's not going to get, yeah. no one's going to listen for the first few months, you know? So you've, you know, the only way to do it, I guess, is if you if you know you're in this business for a while and you know, you're going to build a long-term profile on it, I would, I would presume. Yeah, absolutely. Basically your promotion was the podcast or anything else you were doing in terms of promoting on social media. Were you doing it, putting out content or anything else? Yeah, I would, I would create posts on Reddit and different entrepreneurial platforms. And of course, post on Facebook and different social media platforms to get people to attend uh, the entrepreneur house events. Which would you say were the most effective? You said Facebook, Reddit. I mean, like what what would you say like 80, 20 wise, what, what got you the most people in terms of this this sort of online presence? I would say, you know, still the majority of the people were from more net warm warm networks or groups that I was a part of some of them, but I would say at that point, Dan, like all platforms were pretty even. I wouldn't say there was a lot coming in from one platform. Got it. So, and, and that being said, I wasn't doing Facebook ads. Um, I did it a couple years later, but at that time I was just putting, you know, post on in different Facebook groups or, or posting on my wall or, uh, that sort of thing. So, so that's what that was looking like. How did the Facebook ads work out by the way? Was that, did that, did that get any any attendees? It did not, but we, but we didn't go heavy. We didn't go heavy on it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cool. And now I'm curious, like the event, like what was, uh, we talked a bit about the promotion in terms of logistics. How did you structure that? that, You know, obviously you got the first one, you were winging it. The second one, how, what mm-hmm. was your plan in terms of how you organized it? And were you, did you run it yourself or did you have people helping you? Both. So, well, the first couple I was running myself and then I started having uh, either volunteers or other people come in to, to help me. The structure really was formed from what I learned in the first three months of that, of that um, event in Barcelona. So uh, we had a mastermind once a week, same time. Uh, we would meet at one of the the apartments that we were living at, and then basically on the weekends, get a group of amazing people. Things start to organically happen. So the social part of it, I, I would schedule some dinners and some meetups, but the social part of it, you know, those those folks, those guys just kind of took care of it on their own and they say, hey, you know, let's go climb a mountain this weekend, and everybody's like, yeah, and so they they go and do that. Cool. Did you find like? 
you know, if you go on these kind of trips, sometimes you'll, there'll be one kind of difficult person. Did you ever have anyone like that? Like, <laughs> obviously, don't name any names, but did you have someone that just didn't get on with anyone and, and you had to try to police For that sure. somehow? Yeah, every 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 event had one at least. Yeah. <laughs> and what's your like? What's your strategy? Because I guess some people listening to this might be wanting to run kind of I guess longer term events for their community retreat kind of things. What what how, what's just what do you do with someone like that? Because you can't just so kick would, them off. <laughs> yeah, I would try to include them as much as possible. Then eventually, like, and if there's anybody or any person saying something negative about the situation or the person, I would always try to like communicate, you know, the on a better level, like uh, the positive things about that person yeah, or sure. what I learned about that person to try and include them. For the most part, though, like this is this is why I love location independent entrepreneurs, very high caliber type of people who are generally very positive and open. So when there's an individual like that, they seek to understand more than they do to judge. And so that's why I continue to do events in this space because type of people that it attracts. And I really enjoy that. And so it was never, it never turned into a toxic situation. Um, Actually, maybe once with a couple roommates, but then, you know, after the end of the event, they just kind of went on their own way and they kept separate uh, throughout the process. Did, did, did you talk, take the personal, so the, the personal side, you know, say, look, you know, you're, you're not doing the dishes or whatever they're not doing, you know, like, you, or you, did you sort yeah. of try to tell them, look, you know, you could change something and people would like you. Did, did you do some sort of personal <laughs> coaching for this? <laughs> you know, if you get a haircut, even people yeah, may yeah. like you better. No, but yeah, I'd make suggestions like one guy. So we had this one guy who would never buy toilet paper annoyed everybody you know everybody bought toilet paper but there's always one person that just forgets to do the rest of stuff you know or or dishes or something so i would always make a suggestion if not eventually somebody else would say like you know you haven't done the dishes we always do the dishes and that sort of thing and 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 eventually it kind of evolved into some house rules you know so people would say okay if you do if you eat you have to do your dishes immediately or at least put them in the dishwasher right and that sort of thing so they that 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 structure gave them some boundaries eventually and and then things didn't get uh, toxic or out of control and i guess the more events you run you can just tell people in advance like here's the things to remember you know you have to do yeah. this you have to do this yeah did, did you have any time any situation you sort of turned it around you got someone who maybe wasn't getting on with people and by the end of it they were they were friends nothing really stands out like you say i mean this kind of community yeah. is, it's, it's it's minor problems you know people generally yes. if they're going to come into something like this almost everyone's going to want to get on with people you know they're going to want to hang yeah. out and want to learn from other people it, it'd yeah. be sort of strange to if you didn't enjoy being social to come to something like this i would think yeah absolutely and that was like kind of the borderline of i thought about creating a business that was kind of um, uh, a travel business where you take people on these cool trips but at the same time you don't know who exactly you're going to get in to sign up for the trip and there could be type of difficult situation that happens between the the attendees and again yeah yeah, i can't say enough for either people that are involved in the dc or entrepreneurs in general even location independent entrepreneurs like generally very high caliber type of people who who want to minimize any type of drama yeah and people that want to learn people are open you know always want to learn from other people you know like it's not just trying to impose your view on someone else you speak to someone you want to learn something from them you know Mm -hmm. very much very much now have you in terms of how this is going so so the next event is uh i'm going to lose the family friendly rating now but it's called called getting (laughs) getting shit done now my first question is is that a good name you know like my opinion is like 
it's memorable. No one's going to forget it. But is it, you know, I, and I, obviously, I don't care about swear words and things. But you might lose yeah. some, you know, like people. Or have you not found that? Well, this is actually the first event that we're doing under this name. Yeah. So um, I don't feel like in this network or the type of people that would come to the event would worry too much about that. That's the thing. It's, it's your network, uh, right. isn't it? Like, you know, I mean, I work with a lot of teachers and, and, and things where you, where you wouldn't use a word like that, you know, but I guess right. in, in your community and our community, it's, 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 it's fine. Yeah, exactly. And, and what I found too is like, there's, there's, I've heard people doing events or coaching called get it done. And I mean, it's kind of just half, you know, halfway. <laughs> it's not really. And, and every time I would do an event, especially productivity events, like people would say this over and over and over and over again, they would say, I just want to get bleep done. I just yeah. want to get done, you know? And it was the expression of what they were saying and really what they were feeling. And, and there was only one way to, to name it, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. when it came down to it. And I w I'm completely happy with the name. And I don't see myself changing it anytime soon. And if somebody's worried about that little word, then, you know, there's there's other great events that they could go attend somewhere. <laughs> sure. And, and, it, and it's cool because there's the there's the DC conference in Bangkok, which which we're both yeah. going to be at, which which would be good. And then you, did you deliberately put it right after that so people could come after the after the DC event to your event? Yeah, I've always been um, worked closely with those guys at the DC to do our events directly after DCBKK because cool. I think half of the attendees or so come up to Chiang Mai post the conference in Bangkok. And so a lot of people were looking for places to go have fun or get a lot of work done. And so we just provided that platform for them. Cool. Yeah, look forward next year. Hopefully I'll, I'll be yeah. doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> Bring the yeah, we will. I mean, you know, it's interesting having a young family now because I think, you know, more and more people are, are doing this kind of thing with, with families. You know, for me, it's, 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 I don't want to do this the whole year, but part of the year it's cool to hang out and, and, and do things like this, you know. Yeah, for sure. Now, is this so? I'm really curious. Is this is this your main business now? Are you doing other things? Obviously, the the podcasting is huge. I mean, you're a machine in terms of how many podcasts you do. You do like you did a hundred hundred interviews. Was that right with a hundred entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I did a well. The first one was a hundred interviews with a hundred day. The first series was a hundred interviews in a hundred days with a hundred thousand dollar entrepreneurs and higher. We're just wrapping up. 100 interviews with seven-figure location independent entrepreneurs, which Dan came on. I'd recommend listening to his episode. And <laughs> then we're going into 100 interviews with major influencers. So we're going to get behind the minds and the science of what it means and how uh, how to become an influence, a major influencer, and how to uh, monetize that and use your influence for good. Now I'm really curious. Like, um, obviously, you know, we're both in business, so it, it's cool to talk about business. But are you are you monetizing the podcast in any way? Or I mean, obviously, you enjoy it. It goes without saying. You wouldn't do that much podcasting if you didn't enjoy it. But are you, uh, with, apart from getting people to come to your events, is there any other way you're, you're monetizing the podcast? Podcast is a funnel. Yeah. for us to bring people right to sign up for our newsletter or yeah. to uh, get more aware about I do productivity coaching as well so some people will sign up for productivity coaching that heard us on the podcast or come to our events and then in 2019 we're going to release six figure and seven figure masterminds cool. that are will be run nine months long and then also start doing online get shit done uh, productivity workshops Great. And, and how, how's your coaching now? Is, is it one-on-one -on -one coaching? Like if somebody's interested in this and wants to get in touch, like is it, is it group coaching, forum, one-on-one? -on -one? Like what's, what's your format? 
it's one-on-one, minimum three months, and we put you in kind of the system that I've been using for the past 10 years to be uh, more productive and to set goals and to focus on one or two big business goals to really take that person's business to the next level. Great. I think that's pretty much everything from, from my side. Is there anything you'd like to promote in terms of what you're doing? Obviously, the, the businessmethod.com, I guess, is where people can find you. Yeah, check out Business Method Podcast and then the businessmethod.com. Our events here in 19 days, Get You Done Live in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Feel free to beep out any any of those words if you want oh, to, Dan. too much hassle. But- <laughs> I'll just lose my family friend, whatever it's called, the rating on, the, on iTunes. I don't, I don't think they check too often. I don't think they check too much. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that, that event yeah. is October 23rd to November the 1st. And I honestly, yeah. if I, 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 I've got a really quick trip to Thailand, but I would be going on this event if, uh, if, I, if I could. It looks really cool. And you have a newborn baby too. That's so, yeah. the reason I can't come. But but next year I think I'll bring him uh, if he doesn't annoy the rest of the attendees. I, I guess he won't be in the room <laughs> most of no, the time. No, yeah, yeah. We have private rooms and everything. So, cool. yeah. All right, Chris. Th- thanks very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result, you sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 